0: Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, executive editor at Glossy. And today's guest is Lauda Burdesi, the CEO of Aqua De Parma. Welcome, Lauda. Thank you. Thank you, Priya. Thanks for having me here today. So, Lauda, you know, we have so many questions for you. Obviously, fragrance is such a hot topic right now in this COVID environment. And I would just love to hear a little bit about, you know, what you've seen pre and post-COVID, like, because this has been such a monumental year for the entire beauty industry but maybe so much more for fragrance because people aren't as going out as much
1: you're totally right and the thing
0: monumental year is a very nice expression (laughs) to describe
1: such a crazy year we are just living in actually i truly believe that what happened in 2020 really forced us to step back from the world as we know it and our lives are and probably will never be the same and um in a way, we are experiencing in the last few days or weeks that the recovery, if we can call it recovery, is still very fragile. And in most of the countries, actually, it's still a long way to go. Um, and, and the change is 360 degrees. So it's for, for sure, it's about fragrances, but it's, a, it's an all-embracing change that does not only include our personal life, but also, of course, our company life. And I truly believe that we have learned and we still need to learn how to navigate in such a challenging and extremely uncertain environment. We have changed everything. We have changed our habits, our way to communicate, the simple gestures of everyday life. And so, as you said, we also changed the way we um, we live and we use and we experience fragrances which of course is part of our uh or, or is part of the way we express our personality in a way.
0: So Laura would love to hear a little bit more because you know Europe are arguably understood what was happening with covid much earlier than America did. Um fortunately in a way. So I think you're kind of in your second third wave of whatever is going on right now and I'm just wondering, you know, when you saw what was happening in earl- the early start of the year, like how were you able to maybe um, shift or or adjust maybe a little bit earlier than some of maybe your stateside competitors or people in your circle may not have? Because, you know, LVMH being in Europe and having that presence and being exposed in that way was probably a great learning, but um, challenging also.
1: Yeah, you're totally right.
0: We have... We had to learn very, very quickly and adapt very quickly. Honestly, we
1: so. What is, was, what was coming from China? Because China, unfortunately, lived uh, this awful pandemic and crisis uh, one month, two months before ahead of all of us. So some of the learnings uh, were coming from there. And since we are very much present in China, we could learn something from them. But of course, this was kind of tsunami that arrived on our heads. And as you said, we had to react immediately. And immediately we had to shift our behavior and adapt. To the current uh, new uh, way of living, in a way. Um, and in this context, I think the most important thing was uh, really uh, resilience. I think that was the world, the most important word that uh, really uh, described uh, the way we had to face and to cope with all this situation. And this applies to in the scenario of a company, meaning that we had to be really, really flexible and quick to adapt and react. To this overchanging environment around us. So, of course, being part of the LVMH group is helped us because we all face the same situation at the same time. So we had also a kind of overview, an umbrella overview, 360 degrees over different markets and different countries at the same time. And we all live this together. So we were uh, we had this common fil rouge, uh, all of us. But yet uh, again, was I uh, have to say, was quite tough and quite hard. And I think um, everything we have learned is so deep into us uh, that some of these things uh, that are running our habits will never change again.
0: So, Lada, from your perspective, you know, you know, here in the U.S., we're in New York, we're in month eight. You know, we're we're in it for the long haul. We expect winter to be pretty. Brutal. But I'm wondering, you know, from your perspective, like, what do you think is sticking? Like, from what you saw at the start of the year, you know, what we talk about here is digital and digital innovation and, you know, communicating with the customer online. But what maybe some of these learnings that you're mentioning, um, what do you think has proven to be resilient, like you said?
1: Well, look, for sure, digital, as you said. But there is one thing. For me, that is very important. Being a Parma Parma, as many of the LVMH-Maison, a, a brand which is based on heritage and legacy, it's a brand that has more than 100 years of history. Um, to be honest, um, even within and during the pandemic and after the pandemic, our long-term vision, ambition, and mission has not changed, and this will never change. What really has changed are our short and mid-term priorities that have just shuffled. So first and foremost, uh, we put the center, the health, safety and security of our team, people and community around the world that was and still is, of course, during this second wave or third, as you said, (laughs) is our first and common priority. Then secondly, we have to establish now what we call an always on planning so the budgeting, the five years budget or the three years budget or even the one year budget, it looks like prehistoric kind of thinking for us. So we really, it's true, we really have to learn because what we budget one week ago, what we have planned one week ago, it's already old now. So we really have to learn, to know and to learn how to do this. Always on strategic planning in place of an annual or biannual cycle by using scenarios and real time data, we can make really the best decision at every given moment. So, this is a huge, great learning that I think will last hopefully forever because I think it's a totally different way of working compared to only a few years ago. And then I would say the third very important point that I think it was a shift. That, that will stay and will remain, is really the need to implement a constant flow and exchange of internal communication to ensure a common strategic context and alignment within all the people. So we learned that sometimes with our teams, it's even important to over-communicate because the team, they were spread. So we didn't have any opportunity to meet in person. So we were missing this personal relationship, the empathy of the relationship, which is, important. Okay, We can do a lot of things via Zoom and are Teams and be and very efficient, that's no doubt about it. So again, we have learned a different way of working that will remain. We will continue to do a lot of meetings like we are doing now, which is great. But at the same time, uh, we also learned that it's more and more important to over-communicate with the Teams internally because this physical part, this emotional part is in a way missing. And this this over communication is something that was not there before. And even though we are part of the LVMH group, as we always work like a startup in terms of project implementation. So, for example, that's why we have started to uh, share information and feedbacks among the teams. And we thought that it's extremely valuable to face these very challenging times.
0: So, Laura, will you go back a little bit? I'm wondering about the planning piece, because I've heard that, you know, from many CEOs and many founders. That, you know, what happened last week or last month actually has no indication of what's happening next month. So as you go into the end of the year and holiday, which is a big, big beauty season, a big, big fragrance season, it's the time of sending all those amazing gifts and obviously your heritage, brand. How do you plan for holiday?
1: Good question. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Look, um, what we are are
1: experiencing is that this season will be, of course, a digital season. So it will be very, very different from all the previous holiday season we have experienced. First of all, it will be mainly digital, mainly online. Of course, the digital or the physical part will really depend on the evolution of the pandemic in, in, in the next few weeks. Because as you said before, the situation, especially in Europe, not in the US, I think is exactly the same. It's changing every day. And honestly, it's even getting worse and worse. So one week ago it was Different than today. Today, many of the European countries are restarting curfew and lockdowns, so it's really, it's really bad. It's really crazy. Uh, I would say, especially from a psychological point of view. So I'm not sure because customers will be happy to go around and browse and go, you know, and visit physical. Doors and boutiques. Even if uh, if the stores are open, of course they are implementing all the health, safety, and security guidelines. But still, people, I don't think they will be so happy to buy physically products. So that's the reason why I really believe it will be a digital holiday season. And secondly, I truly believe it will be an anticipated holiday season. What we are experiencing is, for example, we have just put on our e-commerce here in Europe, but. Uh, in the next few days, everywhere in the world, our holiday season collection and our event calendar, for example, in the sales are great. So we see that people are already starting today to buy the gifts for the season to come. So if in the last few years we experienced that the holiday season was always closer and closer to the Double Eleven, 11, to the, uh, you know, Cyber Monday, Black Friday, and then to Christmas, uh, this year, holiday season um, purchases have, have already started.
0: Do you think that's going to help? Because I see that here in the U.S. too. You know, like last week was Prime Week in the U.S. And so everyone was kind of, you know, very excited about doing that. And, you know, brands were kind of negotiating, well, what does this mean if we start promoing for Prime Day in October? Does that mean the holiday season starts in October now? But I think brands are also really excited about that opportunity from a sales perspective. So do you think that that's going to help this kind of maybe – Reticence to go into stores—the fact that there is um, excitement being built online so early.
1: Yeah, I think so, and honestly, I hope so. Uh, let's see. Um, as I said, it really depends on the evolution of the uh, of the uh, situation uh, over the next few weeks. But yes, I agree with you. I do believe this could be a positive sign of excitement of the person to start the holiday season a little bit before um let's see let's see we're positive about it for the first few days and weeks uh, the beginning is really promising and encouraging so the results are there let's see i think uh november will be crucial to have a bit more a clear idea of what is going to happen this season
0: what's your take on the overall shift shifts in fragrance right now you know i think Some of this was already happening, right? You know, e-commerce and digital and figuring out digital sampling and digital gifting. But at the same time, you know, fragrance is something that's so experiential. And you have incredible partnerships in physical retail. You want to smell the product. You want to feel the product. Um, How are you negotiating all that now? And especially with a brand, I would say, you know, you at least benefit from the heritage, you know, the over 100-year heritage. Some of these other brands out there, they're coming out of nowhere with no story to tell. But I don't know who has it, who's in more of a difficult position. Oh, you're right. Um,
1: you, You said it right. You said pregnancy is experiential. I would say pregnancy is also a social role, if I may say so, which means that Usually you wear a fragrance, so most of the people used to wear a fragrance for a social reason. I go out and wear a fragrance as part of my outfit. So since our social lives have been somehow reduced, a lot reduced, over the last 10 months, fragrances have lost, I would say have totally lost, this social role. Uh, Let me explain you a little bit further. I I do believe that fragrance in a way is part of the outfit and of my personal appearance because it is. uh, uh, no less than a piece of jewelry or an accessory, but they now clearly play a different role, which is much more intimate and personal. So I think the role of fragrances has changed from a social one to a much more intimate, personal kind of pampering. So I don't wear a fragrance anymore to represent my personality, to someone else, I do it because of myself, because it's part of my personal and intimate life. So I think this is, a, this is an incredible shift that was probably already somehow there, but the uh, the pandemic really accelerated it and I also do believe that fragrances have an incredible power to announce feelings and emotions as well as the ability to unlock memories. Um, So, I think that now that we're entering into fall-winter season, and will be a very challenging fall-winter season, people might want to use them for themselves as a sort of self-indulgence ritual. So, it's really becoming much more a ritual. So, uh, for example, i give you an example. On top of fragrances, we have seen the rise. We have sold so many bath and body products and home fragrances, like candles and diffusers, that was unbelievable. But because of the same reason, because people spend much more time at home, even now that in a way we are allowed it to go out, even if with a lot of restrictions. But there is much more this trend for self-indulgence, for rituals, for home
0: rituals. And I think fragrances
1: are getting a central role in all these new uh, big trends.
0: What do you think about that overall move to self-care? Because I definitely saw that here in the U.S. as well, you know, that home fragrances were really off the charts and candles and brands like all over the all over the globe we're seeing that so have you tried to communicate that more in your marketing or messaging or on digital platforms to kind of say like hey we're not just about you know that glamorous night on the town we're about you know taking care of you at home
1: we are already communicating it a little bit more uh, by the way, we have this part of the portfolio and the assortment since many, many, many years. So it's part of the Aqua di Parma DNA. We just didn't communicate it before that much because it was not the core it is still probably not the core of our offer, being Aqua di Parma mainly a fragrance brand. Um, but yes, you're right, we saw that this kind of fragrances that you live in the house, which are not personal fragrances, but home fragrances, are getting such an important role in the lives of the people today that, yes, we are communicating it on the digital, on our organic, on our site, on Instagram, and so on, uh, in a different way, and in a, in a bit more loud way, because you're right, we think that probably Apodiparna is still not that well known for this kind of home fragrance collection. And by the way, Uh, In Europe, it is already because, of course, Acqua di Parma in Europe versus the United States, we we have here a a brand awareness, which is much higher, of course. So people here, they know already since many years that we have a beautiful collection of candles and diffusers. But yes, you're right, we're communicating a little bit more. And in a way, Acqua di Parma is also benefiting from the trend of uh, this trend of self-indulgence ritual, uh, which is not made to be social, but more intimate because we are not a show-off brand. So the fact that people are leaving fragrances in general, either personal or home fragrances, much more as a self-pampering ritual, it's really something that we have in our DNA. Our fragrances are made from the core value of lightness, uh, are fragrances that always allow the essence to shine through. Uh, They never cover, they never clutter. So there's a really luminous and light fragrances that have always been created and developed with this idea of uh, uh, intimate fragrances more than social. So I think this trend is really benefiting us.
0: So you think it's really about kind of communicating that more and making that awareness known both, you know, obviously in Europe, but all over the world. Tell me a little bit about the customer, Laura, because, you know, I'm wondering if you've seen that shift quite a bit with who or he or she was pre-COVID, with who he or she is now, you know, with all the digital initiatives that you're doing and all the the support that you're you're you know you're making in terms of communicating, what that's been like. If you've seen a sh- a shift or change,
1: we have seen a shift in our customer base, but for the time being, not as big as you could imagine. Um, in terms of a uh, target audience or target customer. I would say I'm proud to say I'm proud to say that for Department historically we have always had a very solid base of super loyal customers um who showed always a great affection for the brand especially during these very difficult months so especially at the very beginning we saw that these very loyal clients uh, they came to us they were buying on e-commerce they they were even calling our stores to have home home deliveries and so on um so I guess this part is our real big asset, of course, uh, uh, through, especially through the digital channels, we enlarged uh, our customer base, uh, especially during the lockdown period, um, to a bit wider and I would say also a bit younger customer base. Um, but as I said before, it is not really a big, big shift. By DNA, Aqua di Parma has always been a unisex, genderless brand. Um, it is true, for example, in terms of gender that Aqua di Parma was created by a man. So at the beginning it was a little, more, a little bit more a man brand or men by design. Um, but it has always, over, over the course of the years, um, it is developed into a total gender neutral scent. Um, so our fragrances are I would say are really made for a very wide audience of men and women, usually aged between 30, 35, and 50. And this is still our customer. these are still our customers today. So yes, we are seeing a shift. So we have seen a lot of new customer or younger customer approaching the brand because we are communicating more on digital. We are more present, for example, with our e-commerce. So that is helping new customers and a younger audience to be attracted by the brand. Or, for example, to be attracted by different categories, like home fragrances. But this is really slow. This is a slow uh, trend that we are seeing. And it's not a major shift, at least not for the moment.
0: When you think about product discovery and obviously new launches, I know you guys just had a major launch pretty recently. And you just mentioned your holiday campaign and launches are underway. I'm wondering how that is coming to life at this time when things are so fragmented and then how you also get customers loyal or new to buy new right now. It's very, very complicated, as you say, it's very (laughs) different.
1: First of all, you have to imagine that we put, we, we finalized all these launches, especially Colonia Futura, which is the new fragrance we just came out of the market and we finalized it during the period of a lockdown. So imagine we were in Italy here in, in February and March. So my whole development team, they had to work from home, basically in a very sad and dramatic situation, because at that time, Italy was really, really in a deep, dramatic situation. So it was really a very, very touching experience for all of us, uh, but we did it and we made it. So the, the team is so proud, finally, to see this product out of the out in the market. Uh, because it's really the baby of such a dramatic period that uh, it's it's a kind of relief to see that finally it was born and it's uh, out to light and to life. Um, and the way we are we are putting on the market these fragments, of course, is different because, as you said before, everything has changed. So also the way products are marketed are different. I I would say that in our case um, it's a little bit easier because Colonia Futura. It's really, I would say, the right product at the right time. So imagine just the name. So we are coming out with a fragrance, which is uh, totally natural. It's 99% made of natural origin ingredients. Uh, The claim of this fragrance is embrace the future with the gift of nature because it's really a gift of nature. It's built and designed with a 360 sustainable approach. And the communication is really about the help and support and the recall of passage through the generation. So the, all these concepts are so relevant and meaningful today that people are really telling to us, wow, but this, this message is beautiful, it's perfect. It's the perfect message, it's the perfect time. So and to be honest, this is not the question of luck, I have to be honest, because we have developed this fragrance over the past three years. It's a very, very... It's a long journey. This fragrance is an amazing fragrance, but it took years to develop it, but we already had in mind this concept. So, I would say that more than a new fragrance, Colonia Futura, it's really a powerful message. It's a message of hope and solidarity and of optimism in a world that really needs it. So, the marketing of this fragrance if marketing if you can use this word, is really all about this message, the message of naturality, sustainability, of positivity, of optimism, of, of a positive, of more positive future that I think we all need. So the message is coming through very organically and very easy to the people because, again, it's really relevant and meaningful. And it's part of the conversation that our audience is already
0: having right now. Absolutely. You know, it's a great segue because, Laura, I'm wondering, you know, some of these larger consumer shifts that we've been seeing, whether it be clean or natural or sustainability, you know, they have all really been driven by the customer up until this point. And brands have really seen that and made a shift. You know, it seems like right now that's an acceleration of all of those things that are happening. So do you think that, you know, when you look to the future, more of your launches, more of your products will fall in this vein that have this kind of spirit to them like whether it be sustainability or natural or you know whatever the consumer is asking for at the moment inclusivity diversity
1: look totally and to us is not what customers are asking right now to us it's really part of our core values and our dna aqua Parma has always been sustainable 360 degrees from the very beginning so for more than 100 years the product was already conceived Is a product made of natural ingredients, made of fruits, uh, which are born and raised under the Italian sun. Uh, Everything is uh, handmade in Italy by uh, craftsmen and artisans and families that really pass these rituals from one generation to the other. So we really have all these core values in our DNA since the very beginning. The thing is, we just decided, because these themes are getting more and more relevant across all the audiences, We we really decided to communicate them a little bit more. We have always been a brand where understatement was a key word for us. We are not a show-off brand, so we we have done a lot of things, but we never communicated it in a loud way. We just decided to start communicating it, honestly, before the pandemic. So we started with this Aqua di Parma Futura program, which is our sustainability program, which is part of the LVMH Life, so the initiatives for the environment program, which has very, very high standards. So we are part of that, and we even rise the bar a little bit more with all our fragrances. So Colonia Futura is the emblem, is the flag of the sustainability program, but as you said, To us, it's not an arrival point. It's not something that, you know, that we did it and then we we start doing things in another way. Not at all. This is just the emblem and the perfect expression of how we can be sustainable 360 degrees. From the scent, which again is made of natural ingredients, from the label which is made of uh, uh, marble uh, um, elements, uh, from the cap, which is recyclable, for so the glass, uh, from the paper that we use. So everything has really been conceived to be sustainable. And all we have learned through the process of creating Colonia Futura will be then, is already, roll out in all the rest of our portfolio. Of course, it will take a little bit of time because these kind of processes are uh, long, difficult and expensive but we are already doing so so everything we have learned in this journey because sustainability is not an objective is not an abstract goal sustainability is a journey so every day we have to make a step forward um, and we are already doing all the steps so everything we have done for Colonia Futura we are now already rolling it out in the rest of uh, our new products coming in the next few years but already in the current product portfolio that is already on the market
0: Lara, what's your take on, um, heritage companies or luxury companies trying to do this. Cause you mentioned a second ago, it's long, it's expensive, you know, it takes time and there are so many indie brands out there coming up, you know, every minute, every week, every day. And I mean, you know, I think it's been harder for other conglomerates, some conglomerates LVMH being one of the few exceptions to really drive change going forward. So will you talk a little bit about that from where you sit?
1: Yeah, sure. Sure. I think even more for luxury brand, uh, this idea of sustainability is super important because luxury is and has to be sustainable and it's something that we cannot forget anymore. So it depends only on how companies are going to include and incorporate and, and live uh, because the company has to leave sustainability from the very beginning. Uh, every single employee has to be an ambassador of the sustainability plan of the company. so it's really, A big, big change, organizational change, but also a change of mindset in the people who work for the company. Um, You said it well, it's going to be expensive, it's going to be difficult, it's going to be uh, hard, we have to change the way we produce, we source the supply chain, there are so many constraints and so many challenges and difficulties, especially in a moment like this one, where everyone is looking at the top line, at the bottom line, and we are all trying to, you know, have save costs and and, and do some economy of scale. So, Yes, for sure. It was hard before. It's even harder now. But it's something we have to do, full stop. So uh, our take, our point of view on this is that especially being for our Parma, where sustainability is not one of the many values, it's the value, is inside our products. And it has always been there since 100 years. So it's part of our heritage, of our legacy, of our essence, of our core dna of our mission, of our purpose. Is so important for us that, uh, yes, maybe it will cost a little bit more, maybe it will take a little bit more time, but we have a very clear vision of where we want to go, and and we are going to fight for it. And in this respect, being part of the LVMH, Really help us because, of course, the group is also providing us guidelines and know how and knowledge and, you know, consultancy. So we can really, um, we can really leverage some of the strength of the group. And the group is honestly amazing in terms of sustainability plan. And this is helping us also to be part, you know, of a broader and wider, uh, vision on this respect. And it makes sometimes our life, of course, a little bit easier in this respect.
0: Beyond, um, you know, sustainability, I'm wondering what your perception is of luxury beyond how it's changing, like whether it be for the consumer, is it ease, is it access, you know, because you're seeing all sorts of kind of very strange definitions of luxury pop up. But, you know, as a heritage company and one been around for over 100 years and part of such an incredible group, I'm wondering where else you see the tides turning for the luxury division of, of beauty and of fashion and lifestyle.
1: Oh, you're right. Luxury has many different definitions and they are changing so fast. You're totally right. Look, for us, luxury is really means really being authentic and uh, delivering a message. So it's not just about products, it's not just about quality. And it's not just about accessibility or or you know quality price ratio. I think today people do not want to buy only into luxury products. They want to buy into messages, into a purpose, into something they really believe in, into something they feel it's relevant and meaningful for them. And here I think there is the concept of luxury, even in beauty. So to me, luxury is becoming something more. Uh, more personal, more related to beliefs and to purposes. So it's even more difficult because if few or many years ago, luxury was really linked to a price positioning or was linked to, you know, to big brands or to showing off logos or things like this, today is much more subtle, it's much more conceptual, it's much more cultural. So it's really about delivering messages, purpose and contents that are relevant and meaningful for their customer audience. And I think if you're able to do that, you really create a, um, a strong relationship with emotional relationship with the target audience.
0: Whether it's within LVMH or other competitors or other brands that you see in beauty or outside of beauty, is there anyone that you look at that say, you say, wow, that's really innovative or that they're speaking to their customer? you know, in a different way that I wouldn't have expected, whether that's Look, within, the, within the family or outside?
1: We really uh, monitor the market very, very carefully. So there are so many brands within the LVMH group and outside the LVMH group that I really respect and they are doing amazing things right now. You mentioned before there are a lot of indie brands which are original and quick and flexible and the child and they have great ideas and they are able you know to bring them to the market very, very quickly. So I really admire that. Um I would not say there is just one single brand we are strongly you know referring to to me and to my team is really about cherry picking. So there are so many positive things that we see here and there that we might take inspiration and we might say, oh, look, they are doing these things in this very nice way. We might take inspiration. We might see what they do. But honestly, I always, always push and challenge my team to say there are so many brands doing so many things today. You don't have to forget who we are. That doesn't mean to be always self preferring. It means that we Now more than ever, in the world of brand banalization, we need to know who we are. We need to go back to the core, go back to the fundamentals, uh, things which are our main strength, our main asset, which is really the core of the brand, and push it further, and push it further. Of course, having a look to the external world, but starting from what we are, what makes us different and unique and exceptional, and, and desirable versus our audience? So the answer is yes. We, we, we look at so many competitors. There are so many other brands I love. But in general, I really try to take inspiration from everything, not only from beauty. I, I The best inspiration we take from other industries, other markets. There are so many interesting things coming around. But still, to me, the challenge is we have to remain true to who we are. Because if not, all the brands will look alike. And this is a little bit of a risk today.
0: <laughs> they do look alike. A lot of them very much do look alike, especially when you start to see so many of the indie brands with that very, like, minimal font and minimal packaging. It's like, you know, you could pick it out. You don't know which one's which. Um, you know, like, if I might if interrupt
1: you, you know, of I, course. Always, I always do this test that when, when my team comes to me and they show me some proposal for assets and contents so or videos on Kibisa or whatever, I always say, take away the, the logo, take away the logo. Can you say that this is really Aqua Di Parma? So cover the logo with an end and just, is there anything that really conveys our value that clearly stands for Aqua Di Parma in this image, in this rendering, in this shop, in this uh, key visual, whatever? Uh, if the answer is not, that you, can, you could put whatever logo on it and it would look the same, that is wrong. It's wrong. Everything we do has to really convey the same message in a, in, in a seamless, consistent way globally. And this is so important.
0: I love that, test. That's such a good, you know, tip, I think, for the, our listeners out there and future CEOs to listen to that. Um, Lauda, last question for you. You know, at the start of this year, I remember reading, you know, annual LVMH sales and hearing, you know, Aqua de Parma and the fragrance division specifically, you know, being called out for incredible, incredible double-digit growth. So when you think about, you've been CEO now for a little over four years, if I'm correct in saying that? Years. Four years. Four years. So, you know, when you're coming off of such a high in 2019 um, with 2020 results, and, you know, this year again has been monumental, how are you forecasting or thinking about growth in the year to come? Ah, good question.
1: So, um uh, we cannot, as dis- you know, we cannot disclose your sales data on numbers, but uh, uh, of course, after, as you said, after four incredible years of growth, incredible years of growth, of course, um, we have hit uh, uh, and affected by the pandemic, especially in Q2, because Q1 was still unbelievable. So it was unbelievable with the really double-digit growth, super numbers, but Q2 was terrible, as for everyone. So... <laughs> Of course, now we are not immune to this unprecedented health, economic and social crisis that we're f- facing, um, but still um, we will be able to close the year with a negative number, but honestly not so negative. Why? Because luckily China is flying. So one, let's say, positive thing this year is that the Asia that was hit, especially China specifically, that was hit by the pandemic before us, because they started in January and February, then they were able to go out of the crisis and, and started the recovery much earlier. So they now came back to a kind of a normal life. And we as Apple Parma, we are very, very strong in China. We have a great distribution. We have beautiful boutiques. We are opening boutiques. We already opened three boutiques this year. We are, we are super, super strong. The brand is super desirable. So the numbers there are growing super fast. And this is not totally, but kind of compensating the losses that we are having in other regions of the world. So, for sure, this year we will close on a negative. Luckily, it will not be so negative. And and we are are lucky, mainly for China, but also for the rise of the sales on digital and e-commerce, which, again, uh, uh, they are even triple digit, but honestly, starting from a kind of small base because Aqua department was small in digital. So, these numbers are not so big, but still also... The digital and our e-commerce was able to help us compensate partially the loss in the brick and mortar that were closed for many many months this year. Um, regarding uh, 2021, you know, we already started the budget season, and uh, I have to be honest, it will be the toughest budget season ever because it's so difficult. The situation is so unpredictable that is. We would need a crystal, a yellow crystal ball, to really know what is going to happen next year. So um, we are building up a budget for 2021, which is ambitious because we need to remain positive. And especially for a niche brand like parma I think we still have a blue ocean to explore around the world. In Asia first, and then in e-commerce. So there is very much room to, to, to grow and a lot of potential to unlock in many parts of the world. Despite this crisis, will probably hit seriously the first semester of next year. So we will see a positive 2021. Um, We will be probably very close or even a bit higher than 2019. So we will fully recover the losses. Uh, And this is very positive, but we have to be prudent. We have to be careful. We have to... Prepare already a profit protection plan. We have to prepare, you know, date and gates where we have to take the decision. And we said at the beginning of the interview, it's so important to be flexible in driving and managing the company because whatever happens, we need to move the wheel according to the situation and this is, I think, the toughest part. And again, we have to be ready to do this ongoing and never-ending budgeting session every month or every week. Uh, but to answer your question, we are preparing a 2021, which is going to be positive. We have a lot of projects. We want to be positive. We need to be positive. And I think we have a lot of assets to make uh, uh, the curve change and grow up again and then um, and confident that even if the situation will be still challenging and tough and and uncertain, at least for the first semester, uh, it will pick up. And we have to consider that the beauty industry has been hit much less than other industries. So it has proved to be very, very very resilient. Uh, People still buy a lot of beauty products, even in this situation. So we really believe we have a positive positive here, or at least not so
0: negative. Laura, thank you so much. It was great having you. And I mean, I have to say, you mo- this last year probably is like clocked in so many more hours as CEO than probably your four years prior. You're in the weeds more than ever, I'm sure. And it sounds like, you know, you're you're out for a positive outlook. So thank you so much for being here with us today. It was great seeing you. Thank you so much, Priya, for having me. It was a pleasure and an honor. So thank you so much.
1: I'll be back whenever you want. Okay, <laughs> wonderful. Thank you. Thanks to you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Tune in next week for another episode. And if you know someone or more than one who should be listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, please have them subscribe. See you next week.